Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you're down in a cornea and you ain't up to being alone, don't spend all your money on just any honey at all. Go find the Mexican blackbird and send all your troubles back home. They all call her puta, cause no one really knows her name. The JT and Looney Podcast, episode 68. Ooh, 68. Yeah, let's, let's oh, Google. <laughs> let's Google 68. <laughs> Famous 68s. Yes. Are you going to do something wacky for 69? Everybody wants to do something uh, crazy for the number 69. Are you ready for that? You maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, you do. You have something up your sleeve for that. But while we're right here at number 68, I got to mention, even though football might be over, the NBA isn't college, basketball isn't, NHL is in full swing. I got to mention our great sponsor on the JT and Looney podcast, Bet Online. You can bet on any sports you want at betonline.ag. If you go to betonline, you'll hear barking dogs. You can also bet on awards, television shows, reality TV, hundreds of props, real-time odds, almost anything you can imagine. And, of course, the 24-hour casino, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you go to their website at betonline.ag, use your mobile device, sign up today just for being friends of JT and Looney, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I know that I know that number 67 was Reggie McKenzie, not the general manager of the Raiders back in the day. Reggie McKenzie, who was the pulling guard for the Buffalo Bills and OJ's best man at the second wedding with Nicole. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he, OJ, like Jim Nance, had a second wife. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nicole was the second wife. Oh, yes. Second wives. As we discussed, I believe in podcast number 66, the, the uh, incredible effect uh, that uh, an influence the second wife has had on the United States of America. Well, yeah, a lot of guys turn in their first wife who do all the work. Yes. Lifting. And then they get a younger wife so they can go to banquets and go to uh, parties on the Monterey Peninsula with the younger (laughs) wife and uh, connect with the younger people like Tony Romo's wife. And, you know, other because after you're spending years with Clint Eastwood's wife, he has a lot of young wives, too, by the way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. By the way, as you've noticed, right, uh, liberal, uh, conservative, Republican, Democrat, red or blue. Uh, this is this is across the board. <laughs> this yes, is across it the is board. Totally, totally. Even Ronald, you know, Nancy was Ronald Reagan's second wife. Even some, you know, some uh, Mount Rushmore conservatives uh, were really um, their second wives were a big influence in their lives. Absolutely, yeah. Ray Nitschke, the most famous uh, number. So we're no, we're at sixty-eight. You said sixty-eight. Oh, sixty-eight. Yeah, as you said, sixty-eights. Uh, not as many 68s. I didn't think so. Yeah, I'm just getting to my 68 of my, uh, as I hit page down, it's like finding Danica Patrick because it started at one. Yeah, Joe me... Delamalore, a great bill. So Joe, couple... I was wondering, Joe yeah. Delamalore, who was also at one time the CEO of the AAFL. Remember when that football league was around for a couple of years? Yeah, Joe's a great guest. He's also a big uh, part of Gridiron Greats, who I work with, and he really cares about former players. So, yeah, I'm excited. Oh, oh, another I'm excited. another close friend of yeah. O.J. Simpson. Or former close friend with O.J. <laughs> yeah, I know. We'd have OJ's, to new, OJ's new friends, 
hang out a half a mile from me. So those new friends aren't Joe DeLomelier and Al Michaels. No, he's got a bunch of new new friends that he hangs okay. out at a couple of restaurants that I happen to frequent. So when you're out walking the snickerdoodle or whatever it is, it's not you don't see Bob Costas down the street at OJ's. No, no I, I don't see that. We don't see we don't see Bob Costas and OJ going on a walk, catching up uh, with oh. old times. That's but if you'll talking. remember, Al Michaels did. There was you know before people could wrap their head around what happened, and they just thought, well, my friend couldn't have done that some of those guys marcus allen al michaels rosie greer went to visit oj in jail if you'll remember because they couldn't wrap their head around it they thought, well it, my friend couldn't have done that not the guy i played tennis with and brentwood couldn't have done that but oh yeah he did yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now he's having a glass of wine or a martini across from me uh, like three or four times a month, not across from me yeah. at my table, but in the in the room that I'm at. And, and tweeting out very entertaining uh, tweets. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Now, unfortunately, I've been involved in a few jury uh, uh, trials. Well, not only that, what here's the most inside OJ thing you'll hear. You won't okay. hear it on TMZ. You'll hear it here, and I'll be careful how far I go with this. Every time, I'm not exaggerating, every time I see OJ, at the one or two restaurants that I go to, he's with two blondes, two different blondes mm -hmm. who I've never seen before. So whatever reason, still to this day, blondes, knowing what they know, gravitate to OJ Simpson and sit down with him. And he is charming and he talks to him. And I've seen it multiple times. So I'm not making this up and exaggerating. It's an incredible thing to think of what he did. And now, who he hangs out with. And again, oh, and these Nicole lookalikes, Nicole yeah. lookalikes still show up and he's had Nicole lookalikes ever since he's been free. And it's a, uh, it was also fascinating for a whole new generation of people where he was just a trial. They didn't realize how good he was on camera and how charismatic he is and how smart he is until Twitter came along. And now he's tweeting out his opinion on different things. And, He's really good. And he's behaving. And he's behaving. He's yeah. behaving beautifully here. In Summerlin, Nevada, he plays golf at his favorite spot. He goes to the same restaurants. And I mean the same restaurants. Well, you know, that's a, as you know, if we could uh, raise the curtain in advertising, after age 54, some chemical reaction happens in the brain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people stick with Maxwell House for the rest of their life or stick with the same restaurants and go to the same places. You know, your parents do it. I got my mother. And my stepfather, 20 years ago, got him all this cool designer coffee and stuff. And my friend Bobby said, you wasted your money on expensive coffee. They they won't drink it. So I'll just drink the Maxwell House. And he was right. It came back six months later. It was still in the cupboard. Yeah. For OJ, for him to hang out at the same restaurants, that's something that older people do. Older yeah. people like. People in their 70s like their same happy hour. They love their yeah. breakfast spot. And all of that, and it's about men who got in trouble behaving better. So he's behaving better. No one's bothering him. He found an area, it happens to be my neighborhood, where he hangs out and has a lot of friends and he's behaving. He's not in the news. And he's well, not that's what part of what was confusing about him committing murder was maybe people's feeling as though they were they were betrayed because they loved him. And he was the he was one of the most popular celebrities around town in Hollywood, a great tipper. And the Q rating, which they have in sports, is a lot of sports catchers don't do very well. But the guys who had the highest Q rating, it's a popularity quotient. 
and television. And remember, they printed on the front of USA Today back in the 90s, and it was Madden and OJ and Costas and Al Michaels that were right at the top. And then there was everybody else that was kind of 50-50. But he was beloved and really good over the years, got better and better and better on television. He was on the number one pregame show, NFL Live on NBC with Bob Costas and OJ Simpson, if you'll remember. And uh, so this part of the betrayal was he did seem like a good guy. And, you know, here's what's strange also about life is sometimes good guys even do the most awful things. And that might have been what happened there. Perfect segue into two other guys on TV who played in the Super Bowl who behaved badly but got a second chance. What a segue reach I'm about to do here. Tyreek Hill Hill and Antonio Brown. So if you would have told me with all the podcasts we've doing and the access that I had behind the scenes to Antonio Brown when he imploded in Napa that he would be holding up the Lombardi Trophy, I would be shocked. I thought Tyreek Hill had a better chance of winning a second, even though I picked on our last podcast, I got it right, you got it wrong. I picked Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl. Good job. 28-26. to 26. I'm an idiot. I can't believe that the Buccaneers won in a blowout 31 to 9 in a non competitive Super Bowl where Patrick Mahomes didn't generate a touchdown. Also, you know, and I had mentioned this my foolish pleasure to pick against Floyd Mayweather and to pick against Tom Brady every single time I'd go with my feelings instead of my brain. And I couldn't lock, you know, I couldn't unlock my brain when it came to my disdain for Floyd or Tom, much to the detriment of whatever came out of my mouth. But when you take a look at Tom Brady, and I finally you know dipped my brain into reality, and how was how, how are the New England Patriots without Tom Brady? They're not how, a playoff team. How were the uh, Indianapolis Colts without Peyton Manning? How were uh, and how were the Cavaliers before LeBron got there? After LeBron left, the Miami Heat, same thing. L.A. Lakers were a joke until LeBron got there. Uh, for the past ten years, they were awful. And he's he's LeBron James, he's Peyton Manning. When I talk about he being Tom Brady, I've got to give him credit, you know, because I kept taking a look at all the luck he had with the talk rule and Adam Benatari bailing him out against Jake Delhomme and the Panthers over the years, and and uh, he's just had so much luck. But I guess part of being great is being lucky. And he closed the conversation, which I never want to see closed. The goat. You like to keep that conversation going in sports radio. Who's the greatest of all time? Mm-hmm. It's a great debate. It isn't fake because I believe you can compare different eras. I had no problem comparing Babe Ruth to Barry Bonds. You I had to. You had three hours to fill every night yeah. in your goddamn life. <laughs> I don't mind comparing at all Mike Tyson to Muhammad Ali. So nope. I could easily compare Tom Brady to Joe Montana and go back and forth. But the fact that Brady's won seven of the 10 Super Bowls he's played in with five MVPs, the conversation is closed. And another cool offshoot of this well, conversation. Yeah, yeah, because here's another thing. Even when you lose Super Bowls or finals like LeBron James, when you keep taking your team back, mm-hmm. even in different uniforms, which is very rarely done, then you got to be in the conversation. Tom Brady's way better than Joe Montana. A lot of people are actually now. And Tom Brady beat Patrick Mahomes. So it also not only shut a door, it shut the door on the outside of the outside door. So the only way that Mahomes could come back in, you know, LeBron could never play Jordan. 
This is a fascinating topic. LeBron was was young enough and old enough to play Kobe. Right. Kobe played Michael Jordan. LeBron never played Michael. So we're always going to have this argument. Tiger, other than a charity event, never competed against Jack. Right. That's what's fascinating here. LeBron has a chance to do something, but Tom Brady did something really cool. He beat Mahomes, who was the only guy that could catch him from behind and trip him up in a 100-yard race where Brady's got a 50-yard lead. And if Mahomes right. goes 2-0 and in the Super Bowl, he's 2-0. and And then he goes 4-1 and and 6-1, and and his numbers blow away Brady. 15 years from now, we have that debate. That debate is now closed. Mahomes has no possible way of ever surpassing tom brady in my opinion as the goat yeah when you keep getting yourself to the championship game even when you lose you're you're in the conversation ahead of others also when you talk about comparing eras <laughs> as uh people can get keep getting upset sometimes when you tell the truth people call you a hater yeah. uh or the liberal media or whatever when they don't like the message but you know, Terry Bradshaw and Joe Namath and Bob Gracie and Bart Starr and those sad sacks, if you compare them to anybody who plays right now, including backups, they had like 50% completion percentage. That used to be a good thing, a 50% completion percentage. Now you can't make a team. You can't make an NFL team if you have a 50% completion Great percentage. So, yeah, so look at, look at the completion percentage also. If you want to compare eras, uh, which people say we can't do. No, maybe you don't like to hear it or you don't want to hear it, but uh, you don't have hours and hours to fill on podcasts and talk shows, and we do. But it's also just a fun conversation. People have these conversations at bars all the time. The analysis of the Super Bowl, one thing we did on the podcast that I got right, and I got right on the radio, which I don't think it was luck. I just went, I got fortunate that I talked to enough insiders from Brian Billick, Terry Bradshaw, Fred Bolitnikoff. We were pre- previewing the games and young analysts. And I said, I thought Fournette would have a big game. Here's why. Fournette didn't have a lot of carries in the regular season. He didn't have a lot of production because he had another guy, Ronald Jones, the second. So I thought Fournette would come into the game with the bye week, the Super Bowl bye week and be really fresh. And I guess right that Brady would use him to establish the pass by running the ball. Fournette had 16 carries, 89 yards, one touchdown, an exceptional Super right. Bowl performance. Not at the era of Timmy Smith and Marcus Allen, but very good. The other thing I got right was I knew that the depleted offensive line for Kansas City would be leaking. And there would be a problem there. That's what you really called on the podcast. Yeah, I, I thought that was coming because of all the players, Schwartz and Fisher, that Kansas City didn't have. So for all the old offensive linemen out there, the old guys in the trenches, feel great about yourself because Kansas City was non-competitive in the Super Bowl because their backup offensive linemen couldn't even stop the four-man rush at Tampa Bay without the blitz. Patrick Mahomes' greatest highlights were incompletions. Yeah. (laughs) Where he was scrambling his ass off and then threw up a Hail Mary time after time after time. And it would actually hit guys in the hands. Uh, but it was, it, th- those were the best, you know, it was like, you know, it's a great running backs sometimes go to bad teams and some of their best runs are getting back to the line of scrimmage. And the same thing with Patrick Mahomes, some of his greatest highlights from that game were just getting a pass off and, and hitting guys on the hands and they were incompletions. It, that that offensive line was awful by the time it got to the Super Bowl. Wow. And we killed two Tom Loonies with one stone. 
<laughs> we got Tom Looney as you opened it up talking about Tom Brady yeah. and how you picked against him. And now I finally quieted you on a guy named Rob Gronkowski, who was brought on the field for the 100-year anniversary of the NFL wearing a red blazer. He was one of the 100 greatest players of all time as he retired. He came out of retirement and caught two touchdowns in the Super Bowl as Travis Kelsey caught no touchdowns in the Super Bowl. So that little debate, which is a real debate, who's the greatest tight end of all time, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, or Rob Gronkowski. Sorry, Tony, on the Fox lot. Sorry, Travis. Uh, Rob Gronkowski put that debate away, too. I don't know. I think part of being great is uh, being around and not watching Super Bowls from the press box, which Gronkowski has done more than one time sometimes missing half the games in a season. Gronkowski uh, was hurt a lot. Gronkowski was uh, the Andrew Bynum of a tight end <laughs> in the NFL. Gronkowski was uh, the J.J. Watt of the NFL. Those guys can't show up for every game, and that was a problem. Now, I mean, I'm not going to take any credit coming out of retirement and playing that well and not getting hurt. If you had a whole career of getting hurt a lot, that's uh, that's impressive. And I wouldn't say any of this to his face. He's huge. So to put a bow on the game, uh, Tom Brady only threw for 201 yards, but he had three touchdowns, no interceptions. And the reason he did, the re people ask me, why did he have only 201 yards? Because they had such a big lead, he was handing the ball off yep. the entire third and fourth quarter. If it was a tight game, he would have had to go back and forth. He would have had, a, he would have had 320 yards. It was a Bob Greasy-type performance for, for Tom Brady as well. <laughs> Using the ESPN quarterback rating system, the one of the two. He had a 125.8 quarterback rating to Patrick Mahomes, 52.3. And another problem that Mahomes has, he joins only two other quarterbacks in NFL history. History, 55 Super Bowls, who didn't throw a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Jared Goff, remember in the, in the horrible Brady Super Bowl. Right. And Bob Greasy, in a Dolphin Super Bowl, didn't throw a touchdown. So, Mahomes really did some damage, and I got a lot of heat from Kansas City fans, and I hope everybody shares this podcast with Kansas City fans because if you mind, if you want to go get a cup of coffee for a second, I'm going to go off here for about a minute. All right, Kansas City, Kansas City, everything fell apart in their whole vision in one game. Number one, they're not a dynasty. There's no chance they could be a dynasty. They just lost. Number two, they didn't go back-to-back, -back, which means they can't, three-peat, which Pat Riley has, the three-peats out of the way. Patrick Mahomes has now had two inferior back-to-back -back Super Bowls with quarterback rating, didn't play well at all against Garoppolo, but won the game. So he's played two Super Bowls like Roethlisberger, where he didn't play well. Big Ben went 2-0. and Mahomes went 1-1. One and one. Andy Reid, once again, fumbled the clock. He had personal issues with his son, his son Britt who was drinking and driving on Adderall, which I'm not making light of, but a five-year-old got in a very serious accident. She's in critical condition. All of this lopped into one thing. They got there too late. They got there on a Saturday before the Super Bowl on Sunday. They got there 24 hours before the Super Bowl. They had a distraction with one of their coaches. They weren't ready to play. They had no juice. Their coaches got outcoached more so than any coaching matchup you can remember in a decade that didn't involve Bill Belichick. So this 
quiets down the Chiefs' kingdom. And why is it the Chiefs' kingdom? Because they didn't have Raider Nation. They didn't have Niner Empire. So they came up with the kingdom. And the kingdom's been walking around for the last couple of years like, no, we're the best. No, 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 Kansas City, you're not. You've won one, one pedestrian Super Bowl in 50 years. You're not as good as any of the dynasties, Staubach, Bradshaw, the great Raiders that won three over eight years. You're nothing. You've came back down to earth, and let's see what you can do again. But this party's over. Well, yeah, they are the Rams, the St. Louis Rams with Kurt Warner. Yes. Uh, yeah, they were the greatest show on turf. They went to two Super Bowls in a row, and they won one. And so far, that's all they are. Uh, that beautiful rant there. Beautiful. And, and that, but but that you have to take, but you have to dip the show in reality. You're not hating, you're telling the truth. And and in, and you're telling the truth from a Raider point of view, aimed straight at the heart of Chief Nation. What are they calling themselves? Kingdom? Chief's kingdom. The Chief's, Chiefs kingdom. kingdom. Okay. It was all it was all a marketing scam because they hadn't won since Super Bowl four. Right. And then they won Super Bowl 54. So they won their second. And they went around the AFC West and they went around saying, we're the best. Oh, watch out. We're going to be great. And the reason I think I have so much knowledge on this from living in the AFC West is I watched the Warriors very closely. Mm -hmm. They were a dynasty, but barely. They won a championship. Then they brought in Kevin Durant to win two more. They should have won four in a row, but Kyrie Irving and LeBron blocked the shot and Kyrie closed them out in Oakland to win one. And then they lost their fifth where they could have went for four out of five, which should have been five out of five. So they barely were a dynasty with their three. And now they've disappeared. Poof, they're gone. And Kansas City wanted to do what the Warriors would do. They wanted two in a row, three out of four, four out of five. And I think with free agency injuries and players wanting to get paid and go somewhere else, there's a chance that this party can be over in the Chiefs' kingdom. Probably well, not, you, but a chance. As you know, you have the JT dynasties in sports, which are different yeah. from like political dynasties like the Ming dynasty or the Kennedy dynasty or the Bush dynasty, where your grandfather was a king and then your father was a yeah. king or you were the king or the Windsor dynasty, right? <laughs> is that what it is? But uh, so when your grandfather is a United States senator, then, then you are, or your grandfather is a president, then you are. That's a dynasty. The Warriors have no business being called a dynasty because they were really a joke in the 70s. Well, they won one in the 70s and they didn't have the 80s, didn't have the 90s, didn't have the aughts. <laughs> so I don't think they have any right to be called well, a dynasty. Well, my, my theory, my rule, if I was king. Yeah, you have some. Yeah, you have a different yeah, this dynasty. Is my, this is one of my Mount Rushmore go-tos, by the way, for, <laughs> for the, all our podcast listeners. And, you know, take this and run with it. I think it's accurate. In order to be a dynasty, you have to win three. You can't win two. That's okay. called back-to-back. Anybody can go back-to-back. -back. The 89 Pistons, 90 Pistons, the bad boys, they went back-to-back. -back. Mm -hmm. They weren't a dynasty. So in order to be a dynasty, you have to win three in a row or you could win three out of four, like, okay. the Spur, like the Spurs or the Yankees. The Yankees win four out of five. That's a dynasty, but you can't be a dynasty if you just lost. If you lost, 
You can't be a dynasty unless you plow through adding multiple victories behind victories before the loss. How could anybody be considered a dynasty if they recently lost a Super Bowl or an NBA Finals or a World Series? And the Lakers in this century were the dynasty. They won three out of five. Yeah, that's a dynasty. <laughs> and then in the first 10 years, and then and then they were in seven of the first 10 NBA Finals in the first 10 years of this century because they went back to back to back with Kobe and Shaq and back to back to back with Kobe and Powell. Spurs aren't in the conversation, as I always mention. They won a championship, what, four uh, four of them in 16 years? That's once every blue moon. And a blue moon is once every four years. So the Spurs, you love to try to you love to try to jimmy them into the conversation because you have a place in your heart for San Antonio, the river walking friends. But the Spurs do not belong in the conversation. It's a fair conversation. Again, yeah. a dynasty has to be three. Got to have three. Mm-hmm. If you win five in a row, I had Warren Moon on. We had Warren Moon on the week of the Super Bowl, oh. and he won five gray cups. And I wanted to get this in. He won five gray cups because they wouldn't let a black quarterback play in the NFL. Technically, they would have but they didn't think enough to take him number one overall. If he came out with that ability after winning the Rose Bowl for Washington, look where Kyler Murray was drafted. One, (laughs) look where Lamar Jackson was drafted. And good example, Lamar Jackson, he was drafted the last pick of the first round because some wanted to make him a wide receiver. Yeah, there's still that. Look at there. If he throws two incompletions in a row, they're saying he can't pass with Lamar Jackson, even if he's got the highest completion percentage in the NFL, which at times he does during any given year. But there's still somehow that quick trigger. It's in, in, in Caucasian brains that uh, the, the, the black quarterbacks can't pass as well as they can run. And it's just uh, something that's that generationally eventually get washed out, but it's still in a lot of old guys in Ty's brains who make those decisions. So Warren Moon, who never played in the Super Bowl, never won a Super Bowl, won five Grey Cups, a dynasty with Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And that's part of his legacy on top of being a Hall of Famer. So for a dynasty, look, I've been really hard on Kansas City because with the Raiders, uh, Kansas City has been really dominating the Raiders as of late. I just wanted to remind everybody that their role, their role, and they wanted to bring it back, roll it back, all these catchphrases, it's not over. I could see Kansas City and Mahomes being in another Super Bowl, but my point is he hasn't played well in either one of them. They just split the Super Bowl, so they're one and one. They got annihilated in the Super Bowl 31-9. to So in the offseason as we do this podcast, you won't be hearing a lot about the Chiefs who are not back-to-back champs, about to go for a three-peat, and they would have taken all the oxygen out of our NFL conversation. Feel free to talk about everybody else now because Kansas City fell flat on their face, and I want to point that out on this podcast. Calling CQ. Calling CQ. Uh, uh, Come in, please. Did you already do some recording today? Uh, I have a recording at 1130. Okay. And then I go into the two-hour local show with talk about local issues in Vegas, which we've been very lucky to do. I'm very proud of that show, building it up uh, brick by brick, excuse the pun. I love it. I'm addicted to radio and television until 7 because I can't break away and do anything else because my mind isn't trained to do that other than a Peloton ride, which I'm enjoying. Right. Oh, well, that's working out. Uh, when you have 
a three or four hour radio show as you always have uh, is that and it's at night that's just pounding on your head all day long right like what's your monologue gonna be what are the topics of the day um if i have to fly this plane over idaho if the you know if the phones go down i have to monologue for four hours what am i going to talk about tonight is that been your routine for 20 years 24 years yeah. 25 wow. year anniversary will be in uh, a memorial day 14 working with you i've never worked harder and I enjoy it. So there's no complaints. Right. My, wife, my wife would debate that a little bit. <laughs> we're all inside now. We're not in the studio anymore. We're inside. So right. we're in the office. But uh, in order to do and pull off what I'm doing, it's it starts around 9, 930 in the morning, thinking about what the headlines are going to be that day. Then it goes into a taping where I can talk to people during the day, maybe for an hour tape, do what we're doing here in a podcast. Then the two hour local show. And then the toughest part of my day is finding the happy medium in between because there's not enough time to golf. There's not enough time to do anything. You don't want to take a nap because it blows up your sleeping at 10 when you're done. So I haven't perfected that part of the day from 2 o'clock to 6.30, 6. And I, I guess to answer your question, I'm always working because there's always breaking news. And what happens in the day changes at night because LeBron's not going to take the court till 7. And you got to preview that game and do all that. So what's happening is I am a creature of habit. I'm living that hamster life on the wheel. And there's only one way to get off, and that's get off Friday afternoon and then go back on Sunday and try to have the normalcy right. of a sports radio life, which I love a lot more than a sports radio life. My life and your life, it's much bigger and better off the air oh, than yes. it is it's on the air. And we, we love being on the radio. We love talking for a living. So yeah. You know, I just don't like conversing with a lot of people in radio when I'm not on the radio. Oh, yeah, I totally I, I get it. I to keep that distance and then reconnect with my family instead of spending more time with my radio family. Well, another thing, too, is I remember once we were talking about when UFC blew up. And the, the number one occupation we both had was our life. Because we, you know, we like boxing and that, but that's only it's a couple of it's four events a year, right? And we love college football and the NFL and the NBA. You're a big hockey guy. So we didn't know, both of us didn't want to know if we wanted to fit one more sport into our life on a Saturday night when we like to go out to dinner. <laughs> yeah, I didn't well, want to be with I, friends. Ugh. I didn't want to fit one more job into what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Again, I like all my jobs and I want to keep them all. But there's points when one job is pulling more and more difficult than another. You know, I really like the Sirius XM gig a lot because I like the people I work for. I like uh -huh. the size of it. It's a big platform, great company, and the topics are big, and it took me a while to get the show at night to where we had it at night. When we had the show at night, it was much bigger than the show I took over. Right. But people don't realize that. The new audience doesn't realize that. They just think I'm part of this new lineup on satellite radio. But I came from a bigger platform, in 17 years, we had a really big, big show that was on 300 stations, whatever it was. You know, I love how it's now 400 or it's, it's you know, everybody goes up, up and up. Well, what, that's a topic for a different podcast. Oh, but, yeah. Well, but one, yeah. one thing that can be sure it is a topic for a different podcast. Fine. But one thing that we can guarantee people is when people talk about their affiliates, they're never telling the truth. <laughs> 
<laughs> the little uh, behind the curtain, we were on the the actual affiliates where the other guys weren't. Their shows weren't cleared in those day parts. Ours was. Ours was. So we were actually on the stations oh. that they put out in the glossy prints. We're on 300 stations. And Well, what was also I really cool, we there was... We were on before there was Yahoo and before there was CBS and CBS started to dabble in sports talk radio, but they didn't have a 24 hour format. So they, and they liked our show. So we were cleared on huge FM stations in Washington, DC and Tampa, Florida and Houston, Texas, all the places where CBS had affiliates, but they didn't have night shows. Uh, they used ours. So we did have an amazing reach at one time before some of the other uh, sports networks had night programming. They would use ours. And that's really the dirty little secret in radio that probably won't happen again because of the evolution of podcasts and people listening differently over the next decade is that our dirty little secret one by going on at night early in the evening or late in the evening. We found out a way to be on as many and more radio stations, unless you were Dan Patrick or Jim Rome or Colin or a couple of people that actually cleared those big day parts during the day because stations would pick up their syndicated shows. They didn't pick up a lot of the other stuff and they didn't pick it up because every local station had their own evening drive guy and their own noon guy. Like I'm the noon guy in Vegas. So we don't have any syndication there. So what it comes down to is, By being on all those years after dark, we were able to break into the bank of radio. We were able to come in when everybody went home and rob the bank and be on at night. Now, was the audience smaller at night? Of course, it's going to be smaller, but not after a Red Sox game on WEEI that was getting an 11. (laughs) (laughs) Not after a Red Sox game or a game that ended and it had an eight share. And everybody was listening, and it went right into us. And then we went right into Morning Drive. Or before I worked with you, I went right into Morning Drive. And if you start adding up all those pieces over the years, and you know what was cool about that part, too, of my career and before I came in with you and then we came in together, is you got a lot of recognition. You did. You get a lot of recognition oh, yeah. on those stations. The program directors knew, knew you. They'd fly you in, even if you were the overnight guy, for them back east. They treated you great. They treated you like you were one of the team, and now that doesn't happen anymore. There's like four program directors who get that concept of a syndicated team and how your late-night guy could be Ben Maller, it could be someone else, means so much to keep people locked into a radio station. Right. That they treat them with respect like they're part of the team. That That's gone. That'll never yeah. be. Uh, and, that, and that's too bad because, you know, sometimes I mean, maybe that's also program directors not working as hard as they used to. You know, we really, really admire head coaches in the NFL and Bill Belichick. Is he a genius? Bill Jackson. Uh, uh, but in radio, there's no great leaders. Uh, like there is in sports who who teach you how to do it better and give you a note and uh, and tell you how you do how to do this better. And, and you hear it sometimes, even with some of the best making pedestrian mistakes, because everyone's just howling bravo and no program directors are directing. And you were talking about, yeah, are there less people listening at night? No matter when you're on the radio, you know, sometimes when you're on late at night, people say, wouldn't you rather be on in the morning? And nobody ever says to a fighter pilot, wouldn't you rather be an astronaut? <laughs> no one ever does it. So because it's, but here's the thing about uh, fighter pilots. They're a dime a dozen. Talk radio hosts. There's not that many. 
doesn't matter when you're on the air. It's an amazing job to get. It's a really hard job to get. And I just looked this up. There are 18,750 fighter pilots in the United States currently. There's not 18,750 talk show hosts. It's a very rare, unique job. It's really hard to get much harder to be a talk show host and get a job than be a fighter pilot and get a job. Not harder being a talk show host than a fighter pilot. Let's not get that mixed up, but it's harder to become a talk show host than it is a fighter pilot. So and no, you wouldn't rather be on in the morning or the afternoon or the night. You're just lucky. You're just so happy to have uh, captured such a great, interesting job. And you're right. Also being on at night, you have this great new, fresh, piping hot, piping in, hot information where Kobe hits a game-winning three. How many nights did that happen when you and I were on the radio? Fifty. It was tremendous to see, and we got to react to it first, and then other people in the morning and afternoon shows got to use our material, which was fine. But we loved having a lot of things first. Uh, one other thing, JT, I'm going to have to take a break here because I guess. Uh, Renee's car is overheated. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.